This is the Black and Blue Report presented by SeatGeek. Here are your hosts, Cindy Robinson, Caroline Gonzalez, and Ashley Amos. Hey everyone, welcome to the Black and Blue Report with your favorite ladies. I'm Cindy Robinson. I'm Ashley Amos. And I'm Caroline Gonzalez. The gang is all here today, finally back together. And we're diving into the Saints with Good Morning Football host, Kay Adams. And then we'll be breaking down the Pelicans with the Pelicans beat writer for the Athletic, Will Guillory. Since the Pelican season has started, ladies, I feel like we've been saying how busy the weekends have been, but this weekend has to be the busiest one yet. We have a game Friday, we have a game Saturday, we have a game Sunday, we have a game Monday. I think it's been a busy week, actually. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's be real with that one. We've had multiple community events. Ashley, you're fresh off the road trip with the Pelicans. Yes, I am. How was the two-game road trip for you? You know, it was cold. Yeah. <laughs> um, we were in Toronto and uh, then went over to uh, Minnesota. Minnesota was actually colder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe when we got in, it was 19 degrees, mm-hmm. um, maybe even colder than that. Yes. And um, the one thing about Minnesota, they have those tunnels, so you don't have to walk outside. You can literally just walk from place to place and never have to know. go outside. They're so smart. Uh, <laughs> yes. And the, so the hotel where we, we, where we stayed was right across the street from uh, the arena, so not a lot of need to go outside mm-hmm. unless you have to. But but, um, you know, obviously the beginning of the road trip was so exciting, you know, having a win against the number one team in the East, uh, beating them at their place very convincingly. I thought that was um, great strides for the Pelicans. But, you know, as Alvin Gentry says, it's one game. Right. It's one game. And so, you know, I think a little bit disappointing how uh, the team came out. Um, against Minnesota. Yeah, against Minnesota. You know, I think, you know, like Coach Gentry mentioned in his post-game press conference last night, you, you have to start fast. You have to treat it like game seven and come out with that mentality of yeah. we're going to get up on this team and we're going to lock them down early. And, the, you know, the Pelicans unfortunately couldn't do that and, you know, we're down 20 points at, yeah. at some point. So, Despite that, though, I want to say, because it's something that I'm seeing continuously throughout each game that they play, there's fight. We, I've seen continuous fight. They do not give up. And I, that's something different than what we've seen in previous you know, ga- games. This year, I've seen that continuously in all games. Even when it's been a struggle, there's never been a we just give up and quit. And I will say that, you know, I think definitely it was hard to prepare for this Timberwolves team because it was a completely new look, you know, mm, yeah. without Jimmy Butler. And right. you knew those guys were going to come in with a different type of motivation. they're proving themselves. Yeah, exactly. And they're proving that they can exist without him. And so I, I think there was definitely a lot of motivation. The crowd was very into it. Um I do agree with the fact that we didn't just roll over and, you know, mm-hmm. lay an egg. Right. But at the same time, I think one thing that this Pelicans team hopefully can develop in the future, which it hasn't been able to do in past seasons, is consistency. Right. I think that that is one thing. That's a, what championships teams do yeah. is it doesn't matter who you're playing day in, day out, what level of competition you are able to go on the floor and give out the product that you know you can yeah. and win the ball game. Well, yeah, we're going to dive in a little more with Will later about this Pelicans team. The Saints this week have had, before they started their practices, community event I went to, um, Thanksgiving turkey giveaway that they do every year at Dryad's YMCA. Great turnout, um, great experience. Love the holiday season for that reason because we get to see more of the guys out in the community and they, you know, love to give back. Um, I am looking forward to Christmas time too for that same reason. But I know I see that some of the guys have their own 
you know, charity stuff that they're giving. So even though we're all deep into football season and basketball season, I love seeing that, you know, they're giving back. And we know uh, today or, yeah, today, um, AD and Alfred and Drew are also having their different holidays giveaways and give back things. So I'm just happy about that. Love seeing the guys get in the community. Um, but the Saints team has got a little different or a little addition this week. Added Brandon Marshall to the fold of that wide receiver core. Caroline, thoughts on the Brandon Marshall addition? Um, I think it it's kind of um, got to be reassuring for, for Brandon Marshall because you had to be disappointed when you left this facility um, after signing Des Bryant. It's mm -hmm. kind of a, a punch to the gut a little bit. but He after, did say he had his suit ready for the Bengals game. Yeah, um, but then you have to realize that the Saints did have a lot of confidence in you and they did like what they saw out of you and you're not just kind of this, this player who's done and that nobody wants. Um, obviously the Saints want you mm -hmm. and they see um, – they see a lot of things in your future, and so you have to be excited if you're if you're Brandon Marshall, especially coming into this powerful Saints offense. Well, we have a special guest to talk about that a little more. We're now joined by host of NFL Network's Good Morning Football, Kay Adams. Kay, thank you for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me, Lady. Okay, so really quickly, Kay joined the NFL Network after serving several on-air hosting roles, most recently as a key talent on NBC Sports Network's Fantasy Football Live, and she is also in her third season as the host of the Direct TV Fantasy Zone channel. Kay, Good Morning Football started a little over two years ago and has been a huge success for the NFL Network. What has it been like doing such a fun but early show now based in Times Square? It's one, ladies, it is one of those things that if I didn't love it, I couldn't do it because I am legit up at 3.45 in the morning and looking at things. I wasn't always a morning person, but it's so much fun. I think it works because we're four people who love football, and that's it. And we all have the same passion, and we think football should be fun, and that's how we approach pretty much every day. Uh, and we don't plan out too many things, so I think that sort of has to do with all the chemistry that we have. So, Kay, you um, you seem to give a lot of love to the Saints a little bit on your show. You give us a lot of love over there. <laughs> what, what kind of sparked your kind of interest in, like, what made you take a liking to this New Orleans Saints football team? It's just not hard to love everything about them. It, to <laughs> me, it seems like an easy call to make to sort of attach yourself and love every aspect. A lot of, on our show, we talk different position groups. Well, if we're talking quarterback, how, how can you not want to talk about Drew Brees? You know, mm -hmm. how can you not want to talk about the running back view that they have, the defense, the draft class? There's everything. They're in the top five in pretty much. And, I like the swag down there. I went down there a couple of years ago um, to do a tailgating show for CBS, and the vibe was, I think, incomparable to the rest of the league. Well, we ex we love that you love us. So, um, but no, you talk about <laughs> you're easy to love. Baby. Easy to love. <laughs> you talk about Drew Brees. Let's talk about Drew Brees for a second. I mean, let's look at. I mean, his overall career has been one for the record books. We know he's for sure a first ballot Hall of Famer. But talk about this season. You know, all breaks the record, all time passing leader. You know, we just look at last week's game: twenty two of twenty five, two hundred sixty five yards, eighty eight percent passing rate. What, yeah. you know, let's talk about Drew Brees and the MVP, MVP conversation. I think it's impossible to leave him out. I know that he's not always getting the love that some people think he deserves. Do you think he is Guys, the he MVP? Ever, has he ever been MVP? He's never no, been MVP. No, he's never been MVP. 
It's unreal. Well, he has all these things, right? His record he's breaking, and he has a Super Bowl ring, and now he's both, you know, he's, he's passing pounds. He's, you know, he'll be in the Hall of Fame, but it's the one thing that sort of evaded him. He would beat the Ravens if he would be going to have time with. Well, he's never, I'd never beat them. So this is, to me, something that's on his list, and it's all he needs. And I'm so fun championing him. I mean, he's one interception on the entire season that is absolutely insane. Yeah. He's breaking his own NFL records, like, in completing 77% of his passes this year. And he's playing the best football. I think it's so interesting that you have all these young casts. It's like your Baker Mayfield, and he does look good, and these rookie quarterbacks, and they're trying to, you know, make it all about them, Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. when really it's guys like Drew Brees and it's Big Ben coming off an incredible performance against the Panthers last week on Thursday Night Football. And all these, like, OG veterans that are like, no, 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 no. I'm still <laughs> your place. Okay, uh, when you talk about Drew Brees, he kind of just makes everyone around him better, which is one of the things that makes him so great, which makes me think of Brandon Marshall because, um, you know, the Saints just got him, and I think he knows as well as everyone else that he might be kind of done. You know, he's he's played so many yeah. years. He's been a six-time Pro Bowler, but he's also played 12 seasons in the NFL. What do you expect the Saints and Drew Brees um, uh, to expect out of the production of Brandon Marshall? I was so impressed with the fact that Des gets signed, he's there for a day, and then you have Kamara and Ingram and Michael Thomas throwing up the X for him after one day. Mm-hmm. Just shows you what the mentality is in that locker room and what a family it really is. Brandon Marshall hopefully can be that dude and sort of fit in just as seamlessly. It's going to be crazy to me that he'll get to the playoffs. In, so, in all of those years you just mentioned, 13 seasons, mm-hmm. maybe in his 13th, He'll go, he'll, or after all of that time over adjusting in the NFL, this will be his first playoff team. That is insane to have such a tremendous talent in his prime, never got to the playoffs, and you, you pretty much know that's going to happen with New Orleans. I mean, I hope he fits in and really just helps Michael Thomas even more. It sounds crazy to say since he's on pace for 140 catches, which is three shy of an NFL record, record by the way. Um, hopefully he can be that number two because one of the weirdest stats I heard you know, before the signing of Dez is that outside of Michael Thomas, no receiver on the same had more than 12 catches. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Well, while we're talking about receivers, I want to ask you a question because one of the biggest conversations surrounding the league right now is who belongs in that top five list for receivers. So first, who is your top five, Gay? Oh, my gosh. You cannot do this to me. <laughs> my top five. I will not give you my top five. I will tell you that Michael Thomas has been in my top five since he got into the league. Uh, I was called crazy by by 31 fan bases uh, <laughs> across the league for saying that he is the best receiver that Drew Brees has ever played with. Okay. All respect to Marcus Colston and company, but as far as being an athletic, talented wide receiver, like Michael Thomas is it. Loved watching him in college, obviously, uh, and, and he's proving it right now, which is great. So he's top five. I will give you my number one, and that is all I will give you on this, this podcast, ladies. And I will say it's absolutely DeAndre Hopkins. Okay. Okay, fair. okay I, I respect he, that one. He does it. He does it. It doesn't matter who's throwing him the ball. He's had really suboptimal quarterback play. He makes crazy contortionist circus catches in the end zone. He does it all the right way. He does it quietly. And in my opinion, he's the best. Okay, I respect that. So then, why do you think people are so hesitant to throw Mike in there? It's a really good question. Uh,. I see. I, he's always been in there, so I don't know if I can end the for you. Yeah. That I am loving this year, just the chemistry finally coming full circle. Like it's chemistry, like better as as good as anybody's in the NFL. He's completing like ninety percent of his passes, 
to Michael Thomas, and no other quarterback-wide receiver combo has been over 75% in all of NFL history. They're clearly on the same page. I think it's because if you were to ask my co-host why, it's because he has a plain name like Michael Thomas. (laughs) His name name isn't Odell Beckham Jr. or DeAndre Hopkins. Like, he literally thinks that there's something to that. I think it's maybe because Michael just sort of does it quietly. He shows attitude when he wants. He got more play for that Joe Horn celebration than his play on the field, and that sucks. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, we look at the Saints are 8-1, and one, um, a, couple of, a couple of tough matchups coming up. We've got the defending Super Bowl champions and then two Thursday night games in a row with the Falcons and the Cowboys. In your opinion, what do you think will be the toughest challenge for the Saints team moving forward? They have the Falcons coming up, right? They play, yeah, I, I at home on a, a Thursday night Thanksgiving. So back early this season, it's got to be the Falcons for me because it was the, a crazy overtime game, right? The Saints sure. won it. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like the Falcons give them a tough time. They did last year. They beat them in the Thursday night game. I remember that one. I feel like Atlanta obviously may, not, might not even be the same team as they were to start the season, and they might not be at 100% full strength. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like things would always be explosive offensively between these two squads. It's got to be the Falcons. But that's like heavy lifting for me because, in my opinion, the Saints are just rolling all the way to Atlanta for the Super Bowl. I totally agree, Kay, but I don't want to overlook the Philadelphia Eagles, which is a matchup yeah. for the Saints this week. We can't overlook them. They have the, uh, they rank third in the NFL in quarterback hits. They have Michael Bennett, you know, just a, a great pass rush. What do you? Ex- but they're also going against the Saints' offensive line. What do you expect um, to be the most important factor for the Saints against this Eagles defense? I just think the, it's not even the Eagles. Team. I mean, it's one of the most explosive offenses in the league. I don't think the Saints are the same team. I think that we're definitely looking at them. If I'm on Good Morning Football, and every everything I read and, or everything I have to say is Super Bowl defending champs. Like they're not that team. That's not them anymore. Mm-hmm. They don't have deep football. They don't have the offensive firepower. It is crazy to me, guys, that last year this Eagles team they scored 30 or more points nine times. Nine mm-hmm. times they're putting up 30. They've done that once this season. Once, do you think that they're going to do that up against the Saints the way the defense is looking? Absolutely not. Uh, I have, I think it's, we do these locks on the show every week. We pick one game, and the Saints over the, char- over the Eagles is my lock. Before we let you go, Kay, when are we going to see you here at a Saints game? We saw oh your God. co-host here during the preseason, Nate, but when are we going to see you? <laughs> I'm only going to come if I can come on this podcast like in the flesh. Oh, you definitely yes, can. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you definitely can. <laughs> Um, here's the thing. I will be, I work on Sundays now, but when the playoffs start, I will not be working on Sundays and I'll be happy to come down there as soon as I can. I'm sure there'll be a bye week included, uh, in the same future. So after that. Okay. Perfect. And I'll be in Atlanta all of Super Bowl week. So. Well, hopefully we'll see you there. Yeah. That's <laughs> the plan, right? To see you there. <laughs> that is the plan. I don't see anybody stopping them. I mean, the Rams, they already took care of that business. I don't see it happening. And if they're playing at home in New Orleans, and we're all going to look very smart for championing them all week, all year long. Well, thank you so much for giving us your time and chatting with us, and we hope you can come in and hang out with us in person. (laughs) I will be there. Thank you, ladies. Thank Thank you, you, Kay. Appreciate it. Good luck. Not that you need it. (laughs) Thank you. Joining us now is Will Guillory of The Athletic. He's the Pelicans beat reporter for them. Will, thank you for joining us. 
Thank y'all for having me, even though it was supposed to happen like a year ago, but we're not going to talk about that. Oh, my gosh. Don't hold that against us. You were never really prepared because, you know, when playoffs came, you were a hot commodity. Everybody wanted you, and schedules didn't line up, so don't blame us. Word, word. <laughs> I'll let y'all get away with it. Okay, well, before we get into this three-game homestand that the Pelicans have, let's talk about that game they played Wednesday night against the Timberwolves. Um, first, I guess I want to ask you, what are your thoughts of the Pelicans so far? I know they're only 14 games in, but what are your thoughts on the team so far? Yeah, I kind of wrote this last night. It's just it, it's tough to really say what we know about the Pelicans so far just because they've been so up and down. There's been so many injuries, and we've seen them play great like they did against Toronto, and then we saw them play kind of bad like they did last night, I think. It was a mixture of everything last night from just a, a lack of effort to start the game, the turnovers, uh, and then late they had a really tough time just getting on the defensive boards. I think the the Timberwolves were just outright playing harder than them at the end of the game, and I think they said that afterwards in the locker room. So it, it, they just got to figure out what they what they want to be, and uh, the sooner they get Alfred Payton back in the lineup, the better, just because I think it kind of puts everybody in their right role. You mentioned Alfred. How much have you seen, like, you know, that the Pelicans have missed him? I know turnovers have been a major thing since he's been out, and that's something they struggled with last year. So how much does he matter to this team? Yeah, the more than anything, I think it's kind of hurt Drew Holiday's game mm -hmm. just because, I mean, we've seen him have big nights and put up big numbers, you know, during while Alfred's been out. But I think uh, we learned last year when Drew was playing with Rondo that he's probably better playing off of the ball not making the decisions, you know, every single time down. And when he has that burden on his shoulders, I think he has a time, he has a tendency to kind of, you know, get indecisive with the ball. He'll get into the lane and not be sure whether he wants to shoot it or pass it. And uh, I think that's a, that's how you get some of those high turnover games like he had last night. So I think when Elford comes back, it'll allow him to focus more on the defensive end, pick his spots on offense. And I think that's when we'll see the best of Drew. Well, I want to touch on Etwan more because he has been highly effective for the Pelicans. I, I kind of want to give him, you know, the word of the day for him is consistency because he has been so consistent for this Pelicans team. He's averaging 16 points per game, shooting 56% from the field and 49% from the three-point line, which is seventh in the league. What are your observations from Etwan Moore and what changed for him in the offseason? Man, it's been it's been incredible to watch him. Just do, like you said, the consistency he's been playing with, and I, and you'll see like he'll have thirty last night, but it wasn't like it was outstanding or you know anything incredible you put on the highlight films. It's just him doing the basic each one, hitting mm -hmm. those floaters, right. getting those threes in transition, and it's just I think he's super comfortable in what he's doing in this offense now and where he's getting his shots. And it's helped a lot just to have that spacing when he's hitting those three pointers. Because we know how AD wants to operate in the paint. Drew wants to get to the rim as much as possible. So when Etwan's hitting shots, it just opens up the floor for everybody else. And I think so often uh, people you know, outside of New Orleans wouldn't notice, but I think a lot of times when this team needs a bucket, they'll go straight to that Etwan pin down and they'll give him an opportunity to catch it around the free throw line and make a decision. And Alvin Vincent feels like they can always get a good shot out of that, whether it's the Etwan floater or he'll throw the lob up to AD. And just I, I think 
you can't underestimate just how important he's been to this team so far this year. Well, I said it earlier, like maybe a few games ago on Twitter. I was like, one thing that he do, he doesn't get talked about enough, and I, it's because his game isn't necessarily as flashy as Drew or AD's, but it's consistent. Like you're gonna get those, like you said, those floaters. He's gonna drive in the paint. He's gonna make plays when he needs to but the thing we forget though last year around this time or the end of December he was shooting just as consistent now it's more of the question is he going to continue this throughout the season right and that's the big thing uh, and that's the case for pretty much with all shooters right is that they go up and down we've seen this with Nico Lamiritich mm -hmm. where he's been super hot for a couple weeks and then he gets really cold so I think but the, the, the difference, I think, with Etwan and a lot of other shooters in the league is the fact that he does get in the lane. He does mix in those floaters every now and then. He'll get out in transition. So he's not completely reliant on his three-point shot for his offense, and I think that's really important for him when he's you know, missed a few shots from the outside. He'll get in the paint, and he'll get, you know, he'll get around a few of those big men and get some of those floaters. So as long as they're keeping him – involved i think it'll it'll really balance out this offense but the big thing i mean we mentioned it earlier is that they got to do a better job taking care of the ball I, mm -hmm. you can't win in this league consistently when you're coming up with 18 20 turnovers on the road i mean you're gonna be in situations like they were last night where you get yourself in a 20 point hole and they played pretty well in the second half but it wasn't enough because it was just too much to overcome well, we, we might see Alfred Payton come back on this homestand. We're not sure yet, but we did see Nikola Miritich go down last night with a with an ankle injury. We don't know if he'll come back um, next game or, you know, if he'll be out for a few games. But I want to talk about Alfred Payton a little bit, but I also want to talk about Julius Randle because he's been so effective for this Pelicans office and offense, and we'll probably see him step up um, in Nikola's absence. He's shooting 53% from the field um, and averaging 17 points per game what more can you expect out of Julius Randle he didn't have a great game last night but we've kind of seen him be effective when he is in the game um what more can you see out of Julius Randle for this Pelicans offense yeah I think he's been really important just because of the, the physicality he brings I think we saw last year while the Pelicans were playing really well down the stretch and we saw them run off those those long winning streaks and get into the playoffs and shock everybody but I think the the Warriors series kind of exposed that they were a little one-dimensional, and I think when you went up against a team that could probably do what they did a little bit better, they didn't really have a, a plan B. And I think Julius Randle kind of gives them that plan B where if Miritich or Etuan, they're not hitting shots, I think they could just give it to Julius down on the block and they can create good offense with him posting up or him running in transition. And I think that it, just having that different option it is really important for this team so they can kind of uh, vary the way they play from night to night based on matchups. And I think it's helped AD a lot that, you know, he can kind of change the way he plays. He, he looks one way when Miritich is out there. He kind of plays a little bit differently when Julius is out there. And we know he's he has such a multi-dimensional offensive, offensive like, uh, abilities that he can kind of fit around anybody. So I think just having different guys to bring different parts of AD's game out really helps. And, and just having another creator and Julius, you know, doesn't put as much on those guard shoulders to create every shot. I think um, last night AD made a great statement by saying, you know, right now guys are in and out of the lineup and they haven't been healthy to know how they can truly play. Like when everyone was healthy, they went 4-0, but – you know, he's not they're not trying to use that as an excuse because obviously every team has guys that are probably not healthy. But with these next three games coming up, 
before they go on this long road trip, you know, during that Thanksgiving break, how important is it to capitalize on being home and, you know, landing these wins against the Knicks, the Nuggets, and the Spurs? Yeah, I think it's really important for this team just because we saw last year, I think, even though they ended up with 48 wins, I think you can look back and just think, man, what if they didn't lose to that that, that Knicks game at home in December? Or what if they didn't lose to that Orlando Magic team in November? Or those two big games down the stretch they lost at home to OKC and Portland. And I think that's something that's really stuck with them, and they really want to feel like they can be at home and, and they feel like they have a home court advantage. I don't know if they necessarily felt that way until the playoffs last year. And I think that's something that can really put them in a better position to stack up wins where you don't have to fight your way in the playoffs the way they did last year. If they can be a more consistent team at home, because they proved last year, I mean, when you have guys like AD and Drew, you could be competitive on the road just because their game travels. But you can't lose those games at home early in the season because they can come back to bite you in the end, especially this year when the West, I mean, it's going like 10-11 deep with teams that are trying to make the playoffs this year. So you got to be able to stack up every win you can because you're going to need them once we get to, you know, March, March and April. Well, that's nothing new, right? The West is always stacked. Like, it's always a struggle. Yeah, the West. Last, year, this year, last year wasn't easy. And LA and stuff. Okay. <laughs> well, I want to focus, uh, narrow in a little bit on uh, the New York Knicks and the Denver Nuggets. The Knicks are 4-11 and 11 for the year so far, 2-6 two, two and six on the road. But I, I saw an interesting um, stat on Twitter last night. The Knicks have allowed an average of 123.7 points in their last three games, and the Pelicans, as we know, rank third in points per game. What are you expecting to see out of this matchup against the Knicks this week? I think the Knicks, you know, obviously they, they don't have Chris Hopps, Porzingis Zingas right now after he tore his ACL last year. And at this point, they're just playing a bunch of young guys. I think they're trying to give, you know, some of their draft picks run, like uh, Kevin Knox, Mitchell Robinson, a young kid that played at Shelman High School in New Orleans. So I think they just want to see some of those young guys and how they fit, you know, going forward. Uh, but it'll be a good test for this Pelicans team because, you know, they like to play up-tempo. They want to get up and down. And if the Pelicans, you know, don't bring that defensive effort like we saw in the first half against Minnesota, this next team can run up some points on you. And if you find yourself in a hole again, you know, we're going to get to the point just like we were last night where is Drew going to make the right plays down a stretch? Can they get AD involved? And I think that next game, kind of just like they did with the uh, the Sacramento game or with the, the uh, that L.A. Clippers game or maybe a little bit or that Phoenix Suns game, you want to get out ahead really uh, get to the point where maybe you can sit Drew and AD in the fourth quarter, and, and that'll really help because, you know, you lean on those guys so much. So I think it'll be really important to jump on a Knicks early and give your bench a chance to come in and really put that game away late. Well, you were ta- oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, you were talking about uh, Western Conference. The Nuggets are – are third in the Western Conference, and the Pelicans will see them. They saw them once this year um, on November 20 or earlier this year, and they lost 116 to 111. But they were without um, Alfred Payton and Anthony Davis with that elbow injury. But I think this is a good matchup for this Pelicans team against the Nuggets. What do you What are you expecting going in? Yeah, I think the big thing we're all going to be watching is th- that big man matchup between mm-hmm. AD and Jokic. Uh, I mean, they're, they're so different but they both impact the way the game in so many different ways. And I think Jokic is kind of one of the most unique players in the in the league just because you look at him and you wouldn't say, I mean, that's an all-star. That's one of the biggest bigs in the league. But when you see the way he passes the ball, the way he shoots, the way he can score in the post, 
he just has so many different skills and he brings out the best in everybody around him. And I think when he's going, everybody else on that team is going. So I think it's going to be really important for AD to really take that matchup personally and limit Jokic as much as possible because when you force those other guys like Jamal Murray and Gary Harris to be the, the, the main source of that offense, I think they could be a little less uh, less efficient. But if they can, they have Jokic down there dropping those bounce passes and, you know, flinging it to the opposite corner for threes, it's really tough to stop this Nuggets team because they just have so many different options. All right. Well, me and Jim do this thing in our Pelicans pregame report where Jim chooses a Pelicans player to watch for the game. So for the game against the Knicks, who's your Pelicans player to watch? I got to say Drew Holiday. I think uh, he was really frustrated last night uh, after the game, to say the least. I think uh, it's safe to say that he didn't <laughs> play that well last night. and It was just a, a frustrating night for him overall. Just I, I think you saw in the fourth quarter him trying to you know force it a little bit to get himself going just because he, it was so much going wrong for him last night on offense. So I think just to see him have a bounce-back game and really put up some big numbers, I think it will be important for him and just everybody else on this team because we know uh, this team runs around AD. But when Drew's playing well, it takes them to a different level. So they need him to get back to that Drew we're used to seeing. Well, I've seen you a lot on Twitter um, arguing about the City Edition uniforms for the Pelicans. I, I don't, oh, I don't, no, I don't want to go into it. I don't want to go into it. But what are your top two favorite? My top two favorite are the Denver Nuggets and the Pelicans. I really like them. But what are your? I'll give you top two favorite uh, City Edition uniforms. Oh yeah, I think the Nuggets are the runaway favorite. They got by far the best. <laughs> And my second favorite, uh, you don't I'll like be the a Pelican. hip-hop head and throw out the Brooklyn Nets with the Coogee on the side. Yeah. And, uh, Biggie, so I'll do that. That's that's my second. You don't like the Pelicans? Uh, not so much. What? They're I, cool. They're I, cool. You know, I just like some of the old Mardi Gras uniforms better. I think you're going to be surprised with how many people go to Pelicans.com and purchase these uniforms because they're pretty cool. Oh, that wouldn't shock me at all. That's just not my flavor. Okay, understood. Not your flavor. <laughs> well, make sure you follow Will Guillory on Twitter at W-I-L-L-G-U-I-L-L-O-R-Y. It's just his name, Will Guillory, on Twitter. Yeah, my friend is famous now. <laughs> all I right. could y'all were the famous ones. Maybe I'm tripping. Well, you know, we're working on it. We're working on it, okay? We're all working on it. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Will. We will see you at Friday's game. You have a good day. Safe travels. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. And I'm not looking forward to this New Orleans weather. Hopefully it heats up by the time I land. Probably won't, but bless your heart. <laughs> Probably won't. I can still hope. I can still dream. All right. <laughs> uh, this weekend games, you guys, starting Friday is the Pelicans at home <laughs> 7 p.m against the knicks on fox sports new orleans you can listen in at wrno 99.5 with our wonderful producer daniel salerson john deshazer and sean kelly and then saturday you have the pelicans versus the denver nuggets in the smoothie king center again 6 p.m central time same places you can watch it and then sunday saints versus eagles at the mercedes-benz superdome at 3:25 p.m you can catch it on Fox if you're not going to the game or listening at WWL 870 with Deuce McAllister and Zach Streif. And then Monday, the Pelicans versus the San Antonio Spurs. Last home game before they go on this road trip. 
7 p.m., you guys. Go to pelicans.com and get your tickets. Go to neworleansaints.com and get your tickets. We want to see you there supporting the teams. It's a great weekend for New Orleans sports. Other than that, thanks for listening, and we will catch you next week.